Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good morning, One Hope. Good morning. Good to see you guys. My name is Kalikas. I'm the young adult pastor here. For those of you who don't know me, I'm excited to share with you guys today. If y'all been with us this summer, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we ended last week in the middle of chapter two. And so I'm going to kind of pick up where Pastor Scott left off. But before we get started, I'm sure you guys are wondering, why does he have his backpack on? (laughs) Why is he wearing his backpack? Well, it's because I have something in my backpack, and I want to show you guys what it is, but I don't want to tell you. I want y'all to just see it, and I want y'all to tell me what it is, because I guarantee every single one of you in this room, once you see it, you're going to recognize it instantly. Are y'all ready? All right, don't peek. I'm going to turn around and let y'all see. All right? Y'all recognize this? What is this? Y'all see it? It's a diamond. This is not real. This is not real. But this is a diamond, right? This is easily one of the most recognized of all the elements. We love this thing. This thing has mesmerized humanity since its discovery, man. We have fought wars over the diamond. There have been songs written about the diamond movies. Do you guys remember uh, that scene in the Titanic? One of the themes where they were trying to find the heart of the ocean, right? And remember, they, Rose has it the whole time, and at the end of the movie, we see she pulls it out and, like, moves her way to the back of the ship and, like, drops it out of the ship. And everybody's like, like Rose! You know how many car macchiatos I could have bought with that thing, man? <laughs> Songs about a diamonds are forever. Y'all know that song? Shirley Bassey, who's so mean to guys in that song, by the way. Unlike men, the diamonds linger, right? <laughs> diamonds never lie to me. It's like, Shirley, man, who hurt your heart, girl? <laughs> yeah, please. But it's true, we love this thing. And in our culture... The diamond is most famous for what? Engagement and wedding rings. That's right. In the mid-1900s, man, we exploded the market with diamond rings as a symbol of marriage, right? And it worked. And a lot of it was because of the diamond sellers and their advertisements, right? So we have songs like, Diamonds are a girl. Shall I finish the lyrics? Mm-hmm. Every kiss begins with K. All the women like love the song. The men are like, I hate that song. Because right. we're the ones who have to get the diamonds, right? But it's true, and it was super effective, right? I'm sure there were a lot of married and engaged women in here. If you guys have diamond rings, can y'all just, just hold your rings up? Just, just hold your rings and see. Uh-huh. All across the room. Yeah, now reach over and touch your husband and give him a pat on the back. Thank you, baby. Thank you. It's true. We love this thing. And I want to use the diamond as a parallel to what we're going to be talking about today in the book of Philippians. So if you guys have your Bibles or your phones, go ahead and grab those. I want to just kind of set up what we're going to be talking about. So if you guys remember, Paul, the Apostle Paul has written a letter to the church of Philippi. This is a church that he started and he loves this church. He's writing them from prison because he's been arrested for preaching Jesus. Okay, so he's writing this church, and he's sharing his gratitude with them. He's thankful for how they're loving him, and he's encouraging them to continue to live for Jesus. And so we pick up in chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. So I'm going to read this for you guys, and then we're going to kind of dig in and just see what we can find here, okay? All right, you guys ready? So it starts, Therefore, 
My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to the will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become pure and blameless, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run and labor or in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should rejoice and be glad with me. All right, so let's dig into this. We're going to kind of start at the beginning. Now, this section starts with the word therefore. Remember, we've learned that anytime we see the word therefore, we have to look back to see what was said beforehand. And so Paul has painted this picture of Christ's humility right before we get to this section. He says, being in very nature God, he didn't consider himself equality with God, but humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death. So God glorified him and gave him the name that's above every name. Okay, so Paul is sharing this truth about Jesus and who he was. And then he's encouraging the church to do the same thing. He says, therefore, right? Jesus was in complete surrender and obedience to the Father. And so because of that, God glorified him. And then we see Paul say right after that, therefore, right? Now, before we get into that, I think we can receive from this that as Christ followers, we must always look to Jesus to be the example of how to live. We must always look to Jesus to be the example of how to live. And I don't know about you guys, but I take a lot of comfort in that. Man, in a world of noise and opinions, we have one voice, one voice that we can turn and listen to and know that that is the voice of truth. And we can find hope in that, man. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It makes me think about uh, my buddy Drake McDonald. Every time I try to ask him a question, he has the same response. I'm like, Drake, Drake, I got a question for you. Jesus is the answer. <laughs> like, no, but I really want to ask you, Jesus is the answer. It's like, I know Jesus is the answer, but I just want you to help me download this picture. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, yes, but Jesus, he's true. Jesus is the answer. He is our one hope. He's our one hope. In church, we can just rest in that. Just take comfort in that, knowing, man, we have one place, one voice. It's Jesus. So I pray that we receive that today. Okay, so Paul then goes on and gives them this action, right? So he paints this picture of Jesus and his humility. And then he says this. He says in verse 12, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so he gives them this action that parallels exactly what he just told them about Jesus. Jesus was obedient to the Father, and so God glorified him. So he says, therefore, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I want to break this down. This verse, or these, this phrase, work out, means to simply just bring to fruition, or to let, let this happen, let this become complete, right? Work out your salvation, I want to come back to that a little bit because we're going to dig into, into what he's, he's talking about there. And then these words with fear and trembling, right? We think about fear and trembling as if it's like cowarding before God. 
But really what he's saying is have a humble heart. Have a humble heart towards God and have a healthy fear and adoration towards the king, just like Jesus did. Being in very nature God, he did not consider himself equality, but humbled himself and was obedient to God. And so you do the same. Work at your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what we see Paul saying here. So in other words, allow the process of salvation to be continued by having a healthy fear and a humble heart towards God. This is what he's encouraging. And let's note that this is not a conversation about fear of losing salvation. Because a lot of people take this verse and, and take it out of context or they read it differently. This is not about having a fear of losing your salvation. Okay? This is an encouragement to continue to work out your salvation. Keep being saved. This is a journey. And then he says in verse 13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who does the work. So right here we can see Paul is saying there's a role that we play, okay, and there's a role that God plays. Our role is one of surrender. Having a humble heart before the Lord is a positioning of the heart. And God's role is internal transformation. He does the work in us of making us new, right? And so we see when we are in right positioning, God does the work of making us like Christ. When our hearts are in right positioning, when we have a heart of humility, God does the work of making us like Christ. The biblical language for this is called sanctification. You guys familiar with that word sanctification? It just means to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be holy. And this process doesn't begin until we're in right positioning. I can see that in what Paul is saying. When you position your heart, God does the work. So when we get to the point of surrender, that's when God can do the work of sanctifying us. Earlier this summer, uh, I went to uh, hang out in Foley. I went to the beach. I spent a couple of days there. It's me and the Lord, you know, just kind of hanging out and resting and praying. And it was wonderful. Um, and one night while I was there, I was hanging out with my, one of my buddies, and I decided I was going to get some food. It's probably like 10 o'clock, and so everything is closed down in, in Foley where we were. And so I just drove out a little bit, and I came up on a um, Buffalo Wild Wings. So I was like, yeah, I'll go in and get some wings at 1030. It's fine, whatever. So I go in there, right, place my order, and I'm waiting for my order to, to come out. I go to the bathroom, wash my hands, and I'm standing there, like, drying my hands. at the And right next to the door is where the entrance. They have the trash can here and the doors here. So I'm drying my hands, and all of a sudden, this guy, like, opens the door and, like, bumps into me. So I just looked. I was like, oh. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. And I could tell, like, oh, yeah, this dude's been drinking. Yeah, he's, he's out of here. I was like, it's okay, man. It's all good. So good. And so I walk out, and I'm just standing there in the middle of Buffalo Wild Wings. If you've ever been there, they have the TV and the bar, right, and then all the seats for the restaurant. And so I'm just kind of standing there waiting. And then this guy walks past me, and I noticed him, and he went and sat at the bar, and she gave him his beer. And so I'm just kind of standing back, just observing, looking around. And then I, like, notice the guy, and I just keep, like, my attention keep going towards him. And then it's like, man, that dude was like really, really struggling. Maybe you should go talk to him about Jesus. I was like, what? Like I'm having this internal dialogue. Like you should go talk to him about Jesus. Like, oh man, seriously? Like, I don't know. Like what? You know? So it's like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. I ain't scared. I'll talk to him about the Lord. But I was, I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, 
if we're going to have this conversation, I need to know this is your voice. Like, have them, like, turn around and look at me or something, you know. I just need some confirmation before I just go and talk to this guy, right? Church, I kid you not, the guy's sitting at the bar like this, and he just turns around and looks straight at me. Man, chills from head to toe. I'm just like, oh! It's like, man, now I gotta go talk to him, right? <laughs> gotta talk to him. So they call my order, and I was just like, okay. I just grabbed my order. I was like, it's fine. Like, that's just a coincidence, right? And so I'm walking out, and I like look at the corner of my eye, I see the guy look at me. I walk out, I sit in my car, and just me and the Holy Spirit, and I'm just like, man, you really? Like, he turned around, like, I gotta go talk to him. Uh, all right, fine. So I just grab my bag and I go in. I sit at the bar and I'm just like, hey, man, what's up? How are you? I'm Kalikas. And so we start talking, right? And he introduces himself. His name's Josh. He tells me where he's from. He asks about me and I told him. And what I did, I told him I was a pastor. And so that opened the conversation for us to talk about Jesus. And so meanwhile, there was a guy sitting on the other side of him who was listening to our conversation. And he started t- interjecting himself in the conversation. So I'm like talking to him about the love of Christ and how Jesus sees him, and he's sharing scripture with him, and so both of us together are just like witnessing to to Josh. And so at one point, I mean, the guy's being blessed. It was a beautiful moment, truly, but he gets up and he walks to go back to the bathroom. And so I just go over to this this guy, and I'm just like, hey man, like, that was awesome. Like, my name's Kalika, it's great to meet you. And so he's asking me, you know, what's your story with Christ? And I tell him, that I uh, found Christ in college, but, you know, spent five years just doing my own thing, and then at one point, I totally surrendered my life to God, I got baptized, and now I serve at the church in Tuscaloosa, and I'm sharing all this with me, and he says, he's like, man, he's like, so it sounds like you thought that you had given your life fully to God in college, but it didn't happen until you completely surrendered your life to God, and I was just like, oh, I had not thought about that, right? Like, because I, I totally, like, gave my life to the Lord. But at the point of surrender, of really surrendering all that I am and making God Lord of my life to where I wasn't in control, it was all him. That's when I was able to fulfill the purposes that God has for me. That's why I get to stand here and witness to you guys and share with young adults and do these things because that's what God had. But it took the point of surrender to get to that. And so I see that in what Paul is saying in this positioning, right? When we do this, God takes us to this point of fulfilling his goodwill when we're in complete surrender to him. So why is Paul so adamant about this? He paints this picture about Jesus, right? All the goodness that he is. And then the next thing he says is do this, right? That comparison. What is he trying to get them to understand there? I want to go back to the diamond for a second. See, the diamond doesn't just appear out of the dirt like this, this beautiful element that we love. It actually looks like this. This is how the diamond comes out of the ground. They get the dirt off, and that's what it looks like. It's cool, but it's unrefined. This is the refined version of that, right? And so we see, we see Paul saying, there's a place that Jesus wants you to get to, And it's beyond this point of just being unrefined. There's a journey. Because this is not the the diamond that we admire. We admire this diamond, right? Can you imagine if your your husband got down on one knee and was just like, will you marry me? And opened the box and like that was sitting there. You'd be like, oh my gosh, what is that? (laughs) That's not the diamond, but it is. 
It is, right? That is the diamond. It's just unrefined. This is what we expect. This is what we admire. That's what we love, right? We talk all the time around here about salvation, how salvation is not the end goal for us. I think Pastor Scott uses the language, salvation is not the landing spot, but it's the launching spot. Launching to what? To becoming the people that we were created to be, to be like Christ, sanctified, set apart, completely different, holy. But we have to allow God to take us through the journey of being refined so that we go from that to this. And I think this is what Paul is encouraging them to do. Continue to journey in this so that you can become complete and look like this. Jesus understood that. He understood that. And Paul is encouraging the church to model that, to allow God to do that work inside of them. Because we don't start out that way, church. We don't start out like this beautiful diamond. Right? Pastor Scott, last week, he told us that because God has created us, he's made us perfect, exactly the way we need to be. But sin keeps us from living out our fullest potential. Because of sin, we fall short. Every time we fall short, miss the mark. All the potential in the world to be beautiful, but we can't get there because of sin. And we understand that sin has a consequence. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life with Christ. And that is good news, man. We can celebrate the gift of salvation. We don't die and spend an eternity apart from God. We get to spend an eternity with him. It's great when they find those diamonds, they pull it out of the dirt and it's there. But that's not the end. There's a journey to get to a better, more refined, more purposeful version of ourselves through this process. And I think Paul is encouraging them to continue to strive in this and striving by allowing yourself to surrender. Because we have a purpose, and that purpose is to become like Christ so that we can live like Christ. You know, Jesus didn't say, I've come so you can be saved from the cost of sin alone. Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life and have life to the fullness. If salvation alone was the only purpose, then we would have no reason to live beyond salvation. We would just die and spend eternity with Christ. But we're still here. Why? Because we have purpose, and that purpose is become like Christ so we can live like Christ and fulfill his good purpose, just like Jesus did. And Paul, we see Paul encouraging the church to do this work because he knows the end goal. He knows the end goal. And then he goes on to tell them practically what this looks like. This is verse 14 through 16. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be pure and blameless. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. This is beautiful. And when, we, when you consider the diamond, there's this thing called the four C's. Some of you guys who know diamonds, I'm sure you understand what this is. Cut, color, clarity, and carrot. 
right? Cut meaning the angles of the diamond. How have they cut the angles to where when the light hits it, it shines, right? Color, as in, is it clear? Is the diamond clear and pure? Is, it, is there any spot in it? Or can you see through it? Is there tint? Clarity, are there any imperfections in the diamond? How pure is it? And then carat, which usually we associate with size, right? The size of the diamond, the carat, but it's actually a measure of weight, the weightiness of the diamond. How solid is that diamond? And the closer it is to the four C's, the ideal of the four C's, the more valuable the diamond is. That's why there are some diamonds that are worth more than others. And so when I think about this, I see Paul saying, don't allow yourself to be influenced by the flesh to where it dampens your witness, to where you aren't the best that you can be in Christ. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Why? Because the world does that. The world does that. And one of the beautiful aspects about this journey, Paul is saying that when you do this, you can become like children of God. You become like children of God and stand out in the world like stars in the sky. The reason why stars stand out is because there's darkness all around. When the sun comes out and it's light and beautiful, we don't see the stars. Only when it's dark, when it's at its darkest, that's when the stars shine the brightest. So he's encouraging this, them to, to allow the Spirit to do this in them. You know, one of the most beautiful aspects of the diamond is the way that it handles light. The diamond reflects and refracts and disperses light. When light hits the diamond, because of these angles, the diamond takes the light and it sparkles, right? It like shines, it reflects. But light also is absorbed in the diamond. And when the light comes in the diamond, it disperses and you can see the different colors of the rainbow in it, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? When y'all look at the diamond, y'all see the way that the light reacts to the diamond. That's one of the biggest attractions to it. And so I see Paul saying, man, when you guys allow yourselves to be like children of God, when you allow yourselves to look like Christ, you will stand out. You will stand out. Last week, Paul, or Pastor Scott, he used this word, polytunomai, which means live one's life, or polites, citizens, right? And so there's this encouragement that as Christians, we have an obligation to live a certain way. Because when we do this, we stand out. We look different from the world. And the world recognizes this. They know that we're supposed to look different. They know that we're supposed to look different. There was this pastor who told this joke about this woman who was at the red light. And she's sitting at the red light, and there's a truck in front of her, right? And so she's sitting there, the light turns green, and the truck doesn't move. So she's like, blows like, nah, 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 you know, truck doesn't move. So she blows again, nah, 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 truck doesn't move. And the light turns yellow, and then the guy takes off, right? And then it turns red, and she's left there. Just like, ah, has that ever happened to you guys? right? It's the most frustrating thing. But the lady, she just gets out of her car, and she's screaming, I can't believe you, you know, and she's going crazy. And all of a sudden, this cop pulls up behind her and says, ma'am, get in the car. He arrests her, takes her to jail, and then hours later, he comes and he says, ma'am, I'm so sorry. 
He's like, I was just really confused because I saw the way you were acting and, and flailing and going crazy. And I looked at the back of your car and you had a Jesus fish and Jesus is love and love God and love people, right? And I just knew the car was stolen. And so I just had to arrest you. <laughs> right? There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because we are supposed to look different. We are supposed to look different. So let's ask ourselves, church, can this be said about us, right? Let's just like sit in, sit in that for a minute. Are we one way in the church and another way in the world? When difficult moments happen in our lives, do we choose to manifest the fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit. When we choose to operate in the flesh, we look like the world. But when we choose to allow the Spirit to work in us, we look like citizens of heaven. We look like children of God. Paul says in verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life. What is the word of life? John 1.1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of all mankind. As you hold firmly to the word of life, the word of life is Jesus. Jesus. And so he's saying as you hold firmly to Christ, as you allow yourself to dwell in his presence, Remain close to him. His light shines off of you and reflects his image to the world. See, we don't appreciate the diamond when in the darkness, right? But when we, when we shine in the light, that's when, it, that's when it's pretty. That's when we're like, yeah, man, look at this thing. It's glistening, it's glowing in the light. And I see that parallel here. When we are close to Christ and when we allow his light to shine on us, man, we stand out beautiful. It's beautiful. When we as the church come together, when we are unified under the spirit of the living God, and when we operate and reflect Christ in the world, in our individual lives, and as one body, when we have a humble heart, humble spirits, and we move and act as Jesus did, it impacts the world. We mesmerize the world because we shine like diamonds, we stand out like stars in the sky. And Paul finishes that section of the verse 17 through 18 by saying this, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. What Paul is saying is, if you do this, if you allow this work of being refined, of being sanctified to happen as you hold firmly to Christ and stand out like citizens of heaven, I will rejoice and I will be able to point and say, man, look at these people. I didn't run or labor in vain. I don't care that I'm in prison right now. I don't care that I'm suffering because they are shining bright for the gospel. They are shining bright for Jesus. And thinking about Jesus, he's the one that we serve. He gave his life, all of himself, 
so that the church, so that we could be established. He gave it all for us. So as we're following him and thinking about Christ, are we asking ourselves, Lord, I just want to make you proud. I want you to be proud of me. And what can we do to make Jesus proud of us most? It's by looking like him. It's by embodying him, the spirit of God, and reflecting him in a world that's dark. It doesn't matter what the suffering is that we deal with. It doesn't matter how hard life is. Because if we are doing this, man, the Lord our God is proud. And we can take heart in knowing that this isn't work that we have to do. It's, it's just surrender. God does all the work in us. It's easy. It's easy. Surrender our lives to the Lord. When people see you shining like Christ, they are mesmerized by you. I remember being mesmerized by some people in my life. My high school chorus teacher who just loved me for no reason. No reason. And God has brought an abundance of people in my life. Oh, look, I see Gail and Bob Kirsted. I see the Jensen's. I see my family here. These people who have just shown love, right, and being mesmerized. The cooks opening their home to me for two years, just being Christ. And it mesmerizes you because the world doesn't look like that. But when we do these things, church, it makes a difference because it leads people to want to know Jesus. And when people want to know Jesus, they get in, in his presence and they want to follow him. And when they follow him, they stay close to him. And when they're close to him, they shine and reflect him in the world. And then someone else is mesmerized by that. And so then they want to know Jesus and they want to be close to him. And they want to shine. And it continues on and on until the kingdom of heaven spreads throughout the earth. That's the goal. That's what Paul is encouraging the church to do. So as we close today, go ahead and stand, church. Can we just think? We think about these words and what Paul is saying. Jesus was humble and was obedient to the point of death. And so God glorified him. Therefore, work at your salvation with fear and trembling. Allow the process of sanctification to happen in your heart. Because when you do this, you will stand out and you will shine like citizens of heaven. And when you do this, I will boast, not only me, but Jesus. He will boast and we will say, yes, I am proud of you. We have the opportunity, one hope, to do that. In our individual lives and in the lives together as one body. That's the opportunity that the Lord presents to us. But remember I said, there's a role that we have to play and there's a role that God plays. Our role is one of surrender. Surrendering our hearts, surrendering our minds, our lives, our wills, everything to the Lord. Surrendering to him. And when we do that, the spirit works in us to change us, to make us more like Christ. And when we look like Christ, we shine like diamonds and the world sees and the world is changed because of it. All glory to the King. So Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, and we ask that in this position that we're in right now, God, in our hearts of surrender, we pray that your spirit will move 
We pray that you will fill us with your presence. We pray that you will shine on us, Lord, as individuals so that the world can see you. And we pray that you will shine on one hope so that the world can see you and be changed by our obedience and our surrender and the work that you do in us. Because at the end of this all, God, we want to stand before you and hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servants. Well done, One Hope Church. I am proud of you. That's our desire. So do what you do, God, and we surrender to you. Make us like your son so that the world can change and know that you are Lord. And you will be proud of us in the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.